Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uctana, and today we'll be discussing how to fold Akashic work into your current spiritual practice. Once you've begun working with the Akashics, learning to work with your soul book, familiarizing yourself with your room, which is a living and dynamic representation of you in your current life, connecting with various beings, working with mentors, and exploring how Akasha forms and flows through the body to allow us an embodied life, the question becomes, okay, now what? For most people, this work is primarily mental. It's informational, interesting, intriguing, even enjoyable, and somewhat noticeably calming and soothing. For others, it's emotional and or spiritual, and for some, it becomes part of their spiritual practice to one degree or another. Because people approach the Akashics as a mental exercise, the effects of the process are automatically compartmentalized. The brain segregates the experience and the information so it can be processed, categorized, sifted for wisdom, and integrated. The impact is therefore controllable and can even be minimized. For those who work with the material purely at the mental level, then there is nothing further to do but look for more and varied experiences in the Akashics or to move on to other experiences. In these cases, the process is one and done. However, accessing the Akashics consciously is only one aspect of working with the Akashics, and only one way which Akasha flows. Akasha, also called prana or chi, flows into us from the universe, but also from the world around us. Like breathing out and breathing in, we need both, and we need them in equal amounts in order to be healthy. Most people have experienced both directions of flow in meditation. Grounding meditations ask that we go into our center, into the middle of the prana stream within us, to the still center where all the confluences meet, and then move downwards to consciously connect with the center of the planet, the largest biological organism within reach. We then bring this connection up, enhancing the physical flow of the manifested akasha, prana, or chi into ourselves, bringing with it nourishment but also strength, peace, and radiant stillness. Most other types of meditation ask us to go into the still center, may or may not include grounding, then have us move outwards into the universe or to some predetermined destination or experience. What those practices do is allow us access to universal information. They reinforce the upwards focus or outward extension of self, but leave us without much guidance or support in manifesting or implementing the wisdom received. On the other hand, most indigenous cultures invert this focus. They ground themselves in the universal akasha, pulling this into their bodies, allowing it to nourish them, support them, lend them strength, peace, and radiant stillness. Once grounded and filled with the universal Akashic connection, they then focus on opening themselves to the world. They seek to see the connectedness of all things not in the abstract, but in the finite physical world around them. 
Through this ever-deepening connection, they find themselves defined and constantly becoming, therefore being called to act in order to nurture their own being and all of their relationships. This can be seen in Aborigines, who return to their traditional lands and practices, which immediately improve their mental and physical health. It can be seen in the way in which the Navajo live within the four sacred mountains, not because of tradition, but because their lives are deeply rooted in the ecology, both nourished by and now suffering along with it. It can be seen in a resurgence of Hakka among New Zealanders, Maori improved civil rights and status, the returning of the Cherokee sacred flame from exile to its home in the 1980s, and the slow but steady reemergence of traditional healers and healing practices throughout rural Europe. It can also be experienced by anyone practicing Reiki. Reiki is the physical forming and transmitting of Akasha from one being to another. Done correctly, this Akasha should not be solely sourced from the individual, but should be grounded in the universal flow while utilizing the physical Akasha to guide, bind, and support the healing process. The healer, being centered in these two flows, extends themselves outward to the client, but also receives information from them, for all Akasha is both energy and information. As the healer is centered in their own Akashic flow, any Akasha from the client being released, needing to be processed, or removed will flow through the healer and out to source, leaving the client improved and the healer informed, but unharmed. Once the work is done, the flow for the healer can be returned to normal, leaving them enriched in the same way a yoga practice session, a hike, laps in the pool, or an hour of enjoyable dancing would do. Effort has been expended, but health has been granted in return, as well as enjoyment and experience in the process. There are many ways to bring the wisdom of the Akashics into the physical world, to ground oneself in the universal flow, and then expand into the physical. The easiest is through speaking. Chanting, singing, reciting, playing instruments, all of these create. They manifest through vibration moving the world around us in new ways. In Western culture, we're taught to think of these expressions as meditative, repetitive monologues, because only spiritual beings will hear them, and they don't answer prayer directly or we're incapable of hearing their responses. We're taught the spiritual world is mysterious, being unknowable by the humble embodied. Yet we can see the effects these practices have in the real world all around us. Recently, on a trip, I walked out of my hotel room to see startled staff huddled in the hallway. They had heard me chanting the invocation of Lord Patanjali as a part of my yoga practice, and mistakenly thought it presaged something dangerous. Not only did my chanting flow out energetically into the world, but it flowed to the staff and allowed for a teachable moment and a jolt of awakeness better than the coffee they'd been brewing. Something we all know instinctively is saying something out loud makes it so. Intentions are necessary for any endeavor, but they only program and contextualize our prana. They don't affect anything outside of us. Our actions 
manifest the lives we lead. Therefore, our words activate the programs we have intended into being. If they didn't, if the intentions we set inside us were acting on our behalf, then many abusers would drop dead on the spot. People would win the lottery on a regular basis. Procrastination would end with a pop. And most New Year's resolutions would be faithfully kept without issue or effort. This is why we're encouraged to speak our intentions out loud to another person. It's expressed as being accountable, but in reality, we are making our intentions real by manifesting them through action, through words. The majority of us have experienced the reverse side of this as well. Hearing the words being spoken and knowing they can't be taken back or unheard. Once they've been said, everything changes. Once the truth is admitted, the statements made, they become real and we have to act on them. Or we hear ourselves saying something and we immediately want to claw back the words, which are already gone, making us feel embarrassed, silly, culpable, and so on. Knowing this is the case, that communicating through sound is an act of manifestation, of participating with the Akashics in the physical world, and this is only one of the easiest and most available ways to form the accompanying physical aspect of the Akashic process, then it becomes easier to imagine, okay, now what? For many healers and practitioners, the now what is about practicing what they do or teach. Working with the mentors in my online class, Find Your Calling in the Akashics, brings this home rather quickly, as the first four mentors specifically relate all of their wisdom and teachings to the student's personal life. They suggest means to implement deep soul-level improvements in order to help bring the physical in alignment with the emotional and spiritual. Another way is through Tai Chi which is a means to bring Akashic wisdom not only in the body through movement, but a framework for manifesting Akashic wisdom in all aspects of life. One particular practice I like to share with my students who are unfolding this aspect of their practice is working with the medicine wheel. In the beginning, we start with just the flat wheel delineating the four directions. Each direction is a gateway to multiple layers of Akashic energy, hence various Native American tribes represent them with different colors, totems, and attributes. At first, the process is very mental and even meditative, learning facts and associations, coming to understand the structure and philosophy being discussed. However, this is not the point of working with the wheel. Each medicine wheel is a physical link with focused, raw Akashic energy flowing from both the universe and the physical world into its central point. Mentally understanding how this works is a beginning, but to work with the medicine wheel, each student must enter into connection with it. We call this walking the wheel. Entering from the east, the student will feel their own Akasha adjust to the pure flow of east the essence of information, intentions, beginnings, and introductions. Moving to the south, they'll be able to notice a change in themselves as they come in contact with the pure source of home, joy, and youth. To the west is the warrior traits of granting and being granted grace, of boundaries, 
of defining the self and taking up personal power, while to the north is the wisdom of experience from which flows healing, acknowledgement, and the restfulness stemming from achievement and release from striving. Another practice is to experience these directions by walking into the center and then across to the opposite side, feeling the connection which flows between them, deeply binding them in contrary and complementary ways. Each time a student practices in this way, they are changed physically, emotionally, and spiritually, as well as mentally, and a new aspect of physical life comes into being. As they progress in their practice, they may choose to build a medicine wheel of their own or collect the materials to create a temporary one as the need arises. There are books which discuss how to create medicine wheel gardens, with each plant in a direction associated with, partaking in, and producing an aspect of that direction, creating the universe in microcosm. Others place medicine wheels out in the open for all to partake in. I continue to create my own medicine wheel, surrounding it with flourishing roses. It responds by seeding more and more bluebells every year, always leaving just enough space to walk around the edge of the stones. Once a student is comfortable with the directions, we then proceed to the rest of the sphere, up, down, and in dwelling spirit, which brings them back to their center. This is not a drawing in, but instead a revisiting. A new revelation and recognizing being centered is about being in relation with all of the directions, reaching out and being reached. There are many other ways to create the physical aspect of an Akashic practice. Working with Tibetan or crystal singing bowls, dancing without shoes, working with altars in order to manifest within and beyond the home, going to and being informed or reformed by spiritual sites, participating in ritual, and on and on. Each winter solstice, I publish a meditation practice which guides people to bring Akasha into themselves in order to celebrate the turning of the season. And each soul book will walk their owner through the options which are best for them in the moment, providing wisdom and insights which are multi-layered in result, connections, and effects over time. Working with the mentors in my online class is one of the easiest and most direct ways to get practical information on how to begin a physical practice, as the first four mentors deal specifically in bringing the spiritual into the student's physical life. As we emerge in this new year, it's a time of transition which can help give us the momentum to move forward into new aspects of being, helping us reach out and therefore find that still center in the now. And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be delving into the ways entrepreneurs can use Akasha and the Akashics to manifest a successful business. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a minute to show it some love on iTunes. Your comments are also appreciated. Thanks. Bye.